the Nashville 2 Podcast with your host, Edward Fox. G'day listeners and viewers, it's or viewers and listeners, which one, whichever way you, if you're a viewer or if you're a listener, welcome back to another great episode of Nashville 2. And, uh, you know, Michael and I, last time Michael Morrow was on, I think we've done the longest podcast I've done on Nashville 2 was about 56 minutes. So uh, guys, get a drink, get a bag of chips, settle in. If you're on a long drive, you know, maybe you need to stop and get a drink and go to the bathroom and fill up with gas so you can listen to us. But uh, it's my distinct pleasure to have a guy that I'm getting to know pretty good. Like we haven't gone out to dinner yet. He hasn't. I haven't met his wife. He hasn't met my wife, but we're going to do that one day. Um, but he's been so busy doing some new stuff. I wanted to get him back on the show and talk about it. So viewers and listeners, you're in for a treat. Uh, welcome back, Mr. Michael Morrow. We should have an applause button. I should have one of those buttons that can just do that. But hey, Michael, thanks for being on the show. Hey, it's great to be back, Ed. How are you been? Man, if I was any better, I'd probably want to hire you to help me enjoy it. Ta-da. <laughs> that, that is the deal. Like uh, what did Zig used to say? Zig Ziglar used to say, if I was any better, I'd think the deck was stacked. Exactly. I like that one too. That's that's what he used to say. And um, I, I tell people um, when they ask me, how, how have you been or how are you doing? I said, if I do any better, they'll call me your highness. <laughs> there you go. And you one go. day, actually, someone did call me that in the story. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm on the well, right track. I think Wakanda is looking for a new leader, you know. The money's pretty good is what I hear. Like, I'm I'm so excited to see that movie. We went and saw The Woman King the other night. Um, mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. I don't know how much of it's true. You know, you know, these movies, you just don't know how much of it's true because I love history. So when I start researching the history on that actual group, the history is nothing like what they're saying in the movie. It's, uh, it's hilarious. Well, not, it's not hilarious, but it is. Anyway. <laughs> That's not what we're here for. That might be a different <laughs> podcast. Michael and Edward talk movies. Um, mm -hmm. But you, I, you've got something interesting going on. Financially better credit. You do uh, credit restoration, not credit repair. But you're working with the local school district in Murfreesboro. Is that true? We're actually working with the lo local school system and next door neighbor to Murfreesboro. It's like southeast Nashville. around. Oh, okay. the and it's a great, uh, great area. It's a charter school. Uh, one of the assistant principals called me in and said, hey, how you doing? And I'm doing great. Business is doing well, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, hey, why don't you um, come check out this position we got open at the school? <laughs> and so uh, I worked with him before because actually I was uh, teaching in the school system and I taught personal finance for like 15 years. And, wow. you know, teaching this. So I, I worked on my business for a little bit after I got out and grew that to help the adults out here, everybody who's over 18 years old to to walk uh, financially better in life. So, you know, we do credit restoration. But then in the process over the years, I've been developing curriculum and working with other curriculum development groups. And now we are putting in the we've already been doing it in the school system here in, in Tennessee because it's required by law for oh, students really? to take a half semester of personal finance before they graduate. Okay. I didn't know that. We, we need that in the schools. Mm -hmm. Now, on some schools don't do it like they're supposed to do. Right. And I have my opinion on that. And well, since we're on your podcast, you know, there are some people that that just pop in a DVD and say, fill in the blank 
and they'll consider that, hey, turn it in, you'll get a grade for it, then you get the credit for that class. But in actuality, the students haven't really learned anything or applied anything to real life to prepare them for that next level when they hit the real world. Right, right. So, so you're in you're in East Nashville, East Nashville, Southeast Nashville, Southeast. I forgot what you said. Yes, that, that's where we're teaching in Southeast Nashville. But I am in the borough. Um, I do. We're down here. This is where our headquarters is located down in Murfreesboro. Um, but nonetheless, we reach people all over the nation. We work we work with people uh, online uh, with with my still. We still do count consultation and we still help people build their credit score and get their help them get their finances in order so they can go to that next level right. uh, in, in their financial walk and their goals. So tell me, if somebody wanted to support you, have you taken like a paid position from the school district? Is that what you're doing? That's basically what it is. It's um, I basically kept my teacher's license alive and they've right. called me back into the classroom. Okay, so you're in school, you're teaching personal finance, you're teaching this curriculum. If if another school wants to get a hold of this curriculum, do you have that availability? Yes, actually, I have two different curriculums. I have the curriculum in which I uh, use with another group that we've developed an online curriculum. Everything is ready-made presentations, the tests, evaluations, the activities, all that is ready online. It's free. I work with them for years. And then I have my individual or business one that we've created to help the adults really get a hold of that. But now we are developing a, I would like to call it a, the, um, what they call it, the homeschool version. Okay. A, a, financial, a personal financial, financial literacy. That's what we're doing now. We're, we're actually building the curriculum and getting it ready for the homeschool families. And that's what I want to do next in this upcoming year. And I'm trying to connect with some people right now of how to establish that. Even if it's a, a homeschool uh, independent course, a standalone course by itself to where they can just log in, we actually have a platform where people log in, the adults log in. And it's a very simple way. We just give them some tidbits, some it's self-paced, and they can uh, do the videos, do the, I call it life work instead of homework and get themselves ready for that next level. Then we have our own in-person one-to-one consultation that I have with my clients on a regular basis. So we have many things out there that they're still connected back to financial education and helping people getting ready for the real world or taking their financial goals to the next level. Awesome. And so it doesn't really matter. Probably anywhere in the world, they could log in and do that and just relate it to whatever their currency is, whatever their financial situation. It doesn't matter what you call the dollar. You know, it can, mm -hmm. you know, it can be an Australian dollar, a Canadian dollar, an American dollar, a British pound, a euro. It doesn't matter. The that the, they still trans translate. I mean, the skills mm -hmm. are still needed regardless of what currency we're talking about. Um, so I was talking to you, uh, talking about you to somebody in Sydney, Australia the other night, and they're like, yeah, but it's all based on American dollars. I said, okay. So when he says American dollar, think Australian dollar. Oh, would that work? I'm like, oh, come on. You're smarter than that. <laughs> I'm not going to say who it was because if they ever listen to the podcast, I'll get in trouble. It is a family member. So that's, that's as much is as much as I'm going to give away. Speaking of Australia, yep. I, I've been holding this uh, joke for you because I know you're infamous okay. for the dad jokes and everything. Yep. What is the best toy to bring to an Australian barbecue? The best toy to bring to an Australian barbecue. 
Mm, there's so many ways I could go with that, but I'm going to say, I don't know. What is the best toy? A Barbie doll. A Barbie doll. There you go. Because yeah. for those of you that don't know, we have Barbies. And that's not the doll that you play dress up with. That's no. the actual, the barbecue, right? So, so Crocodile Dundee used to say, throw another shrimp on the Barbie. We don't call them shrimp. We call them prawns. So he translated oh. that. But yes. we do throw a lot, just about anything will work on the barbecue, as you know. My favorite was always dessert on the barbecue, was a banana. You slice it in the middle and you pour Tia Maria Kahlua Baileys and then you roast it in its skin. Mm. And then you uh, unwrap it. And, uh, you know, I find it very appealing. There you go. How about that for a dad joke? And we unwrap it and we dump it into a, a dish and we add some ice cream and then pour a little bit more Baileys over the top. Best dessert ever. Wow. I go bananas over that any day. <laughs> I like where you're going with that. You know, um, my actually, we my son found us this ringtone uh, banana phone. I don't know if you've ever heard it. ring, 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 banana phone. And so <laughs> we, we got it as our ringtone on for when. So we know when each of our kids calls because they each have their own ringtone. The other one's uh, uh, from Stewie from Family Guy. And it says, mom, mom. Mom, mommy, mommy, mother, mother. Yeah, it's like my wife has to answer. She's like, I hate this ringtone. I'm like, it's so much fun. And then for me, what do you think she has for me as my ringtone? She must have. -na -na -na. No, okay. It's <laughs> Adam's family, but okay. I like that one too. Oh, wait, I got it. I know what it is. Okay. What does the fox say? It is. And that's exactly what it is. What does the fox say? And she says she's got it, she's got it turned up in the pharmacy because, you know, if, if we call her, she wants to take the call. And the people that they work with, uh, she works with, they're like, we'll never get that out of her head, our head. And my wife says, that's exactly like my husband. Once he once he gets in there with his dad jokes and his silly stories, you'll never get it out of your head. So it's the perfect ringtone. We used to have uh, comes from the land down under, you know, is it Midnight Oil? Who sung that? Uh, you know, no. Vegemite Sandwich. Is that Midnight Oil? I never knew the name of the group. I know the song. Yeah. Yeah. Land Down Under. Yeah. Land Down Under? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds I'm familiar. Have to look it up now. But anyway, so somebody will, somebody will send me a message or something and go, no, you got it all wrong. It's not Midnight Oil. It's somebody else. But I thought it was Minute, minute Work. Minute Work. That's, I thought, yeah, okay. Yeah. Good job. Minute Work. So she used to run that one, but now we run What Does the Fox Say? So that is good. Um, but I love your Barbie joke, and I've actually got a, a meme that goes out where it's got Barbies wrapped in bacon on the grill, you know, hey. having a Barbie. Yeah. yeah you, don't, you just don't want to have a Barbie too close to the river up in crocodile country. Why is that? They'll come out, they'll come out after you, man. They'll wow. come right after you. Oh, I got, I got some custom Crocs the other day. Okay. Yeah. I had them made. These are my these are my American Crocs, but I had an idea, and so I got a custom Croc. We painted and we made them green with Trade Bank all over it. You know, mm -hmm. my barter business. And so then my daughter says, "Okay, what are we doing for the next pair of custom Crocs?" Well, I thought we'd get one of those pictures where the Crocs looking out of the water and you just see the snout. Yes. You know, and put that on the Croc, and I say, "Crocky, that is a Croc." <laughs> so, and just have it, and then just lose it in in the in the pool water or the lake one day and just right. 
you see it float by. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, uh, somebody sent me because uh, the other one, I, well, it's my podcast. I can talk about whatever. Uh, somebody suggested we get a white croc and put the poop emoji all over it. It was actually my sister from Australia. Not the same sister that, no, no, I've learned that already. Not the same sister that said American dollars and Australian dollars. Yeah. That was one of my sisters. I got four younger sisters. But uh, because my dad used to say, well, that's a croc of, yes. have you ever heard that saying? Right. Yes. So you don't have to bleep me out because I didn't say it. Well, that's a common word in Australia. It's like just an adjective. It's just describing word. It's not really swearing, you know, but so yeah. so she said, if we had that poop emoji all over those crocs. So I'm thinking I can go to this website and order crocs for all my sisters with the poop emoji on it and send them all to them Australia. I thought that'd be fun. I don't know whether that's financially responsible of me or not, Michael. Maybe we need a coaching session with Coach Michael to uh, figure that out. But so what's going on? You got any stories for me of anybody you've been able to help in the last year or so since we talked? Ooh, yes, we actually um, it, we the, let me tell you, the actual people uh, at the school in which I work, we had a professional development and every different teachers did different sessions. Of course, I had to do my financial education one and people were so. Uh, they were so intrigued by it. They had these great ideas. That they, and then not only this year, but even the year before, uh, well, the, the beginning of the school year, there were teachers who were coming to me who who knew me from around town. But the main teacher was they were trying to boost their credit score. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, well, there were two teachers, one trying to boost their credit score. And they were like, oh, I'm trying not to use my credit card too much. But then my score is not going up and they won't raise my limit. And I said, what you need to do is learn how to manage your debt rather than just make debt. And so I advise them on certain things of how to properly use a credit card and get their credit limit boosted, but still not use what they don't need to use on the card. And so they're, they're, it's, it's their rules. It's the credit reporting agencies. It's their rules, their game. So we have to learn how their rules to play their game. Uh, and then there was another, and so we boosted their credit score. It was easy. Then there was another teacher um, I spoke with whom, they have student loans. It's like a pet that won't go away, right? But, <laughs> you know, and, and they have the actual money saved up to pay off all the student loans and just like that. So I'm like, why haven't you done that? And then they heard about this so-called paying off student loan debt um, that they're trying to do, which newsflash, um, it's been told that it's not going to happen. Um, newsflash. So it, it was done kind of secretly closed it was kind of like Shh, don't tell nobody so for those who are listening it's not going to happen don't do it so i told this individual go ahead and pay off your student loans it's not helping you to keep them on there you got the money but they said but i i want to have a savings too this is my savings it's like it doesn't need to be your savings so this is what you need to do okay i advise them just go ahead and take you know half of what you've got saved up and pay off your student loans okay and then take the other part and put away in an emergency fund. Right. And then while you're doing that, go ahead and take them because they really don't have a lot of debt. That's the only debt they really have. And just go ahead and pay those, the rest of those uh, student loans off in chunks of money and just get it out your way because they've been having them all this time. They've been in deferment 
and it's easy to take care of. So they, they're considering that, but I'm trying to help people get to a level in our curriculum. It, we call it, it's called the financial 3D curriculum. And basically the 3D stands for financial dignity, financial dominance, and financial destiny. Uh, we've been developing this for the last, I say since 2018 or so, and then really developing it to teach people how to live financially better. And with this is actually the money management side of it is the financial dignity. Financial dominance is learning how to use credit to really build up your credit score, build wealth. And then financial destiny is actually build is the is the wealth education side of it right. to where you're leaving a legacy for your family. That's what I like to do. And that's the difference between you just trying to boost your credit score to get a house or refinance or whatever compared to you actually now you have something to leave to your family. You have have your finances under control. You're in the 700 plus credit score and, and you're living a comfortable life that you desire. Now, everybody may not want to live like in the lap of luxury, but you can still live com comfortably with what we teach you as well. Right. Yeah. And that's a big big important thing that I changed from being a kid and we've talked about this before but understanding the different quality of credit that's out there and making sure that you get the better quality credit cards not just like the the department store cards and such but you get those tier one and tier two cards that do a lot more for your score and if you got a 30-year credit card don't get rid of it like the the what you've built up uh, pay it off you know don't keep a balance on it but don't get rid of a 30-year card you got a two-year card yeah chuck that thing get rid of it and and keep your long-term cards if you can um so alice and i after talking with you a little bit and just just you know because we took our eye off it we were sort of weren't watching it so we sort of started watching it again and we sort of had a race to try and see who could hit this point. You know, for us, it's the 800, right? We want to get to this 800. <laughs> and I keep buying businesses. And so they keep pulling my, pulling my credit reports, which don't do a lot to them, but they do a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and I was so mad because it dropped me to 798. And I'm like, ah, like, you know, yeah. And, and then Alice was frustrated because I'd been having my credit pulled, but we, um, we got a new car for our daughter and we had to co-sign for it and it dropped her to 788 and more boy was she mad you know because she's worked on it for so many years so many years we sat there at that 500 right and just couldn't get it up and then paid off school debt and did that stuff so i'm telling you guys out there if you're out there and you don't think that it's possible get with michael get with michael have a talk with michael go through his online program whatever you Yes, you might have to spend a little money. You can't do it for free. You can't do it for free. But the skills that you're going to learn um, are going to be second to none. And they'll travel with you the rest of your life. And you can share them with others. And you can pass it on. Because we need to, if if the big implosion is coming, you want to get it sorted. You want to be financially healthy. Uh, and, and you can do it. We did it without any money. Like it took us a while. You know, I'm 54 years old. I remember getting over here at 22. I'd left a bunch of debt in Australia. They're probably still trying to find me for that. Um, you know, and then we went through stages over here where we had good years and we had bad years, just like anybody else, you know, scrambling around the co co couch, seeing if we can find two bucks to go buy some French fries and, and double cheeseburgers, you know, because we don't have any cash, you know. You end up going to the Dollar Tree and get a box of mac and cheese that tastes like cardboard. You know, we've been through that you know we weren't born with a silver spoon in my mouth 
I think if we had, if dad would have ripped it out and gone and sold it to try and put food on the table. But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at or where you come from. It's where you want to go. And are you willing to change the things that you need to do? Um, I, I think sometimes people go, oh, they have it a lot better than me. Now, they're probably more in debt than you. Oh, he's driving a nice car. Yeah, it doesn't mean he owns it. I'm yeah. driving a, uh, what is it, 2012. So it's a 10-year-old car. And mm -hmm. Alice, has got, oh, Alice has also got a 2012. And mm -hmm. the transmission's about to go out. We're only allowed to drive it to work and back. That's as far, you know, now. We could buy a new car and go into debt and do all that. But why? Why? Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make financials. Oh, you, you love that line, right, Michael? You deserve it. Mm. You know what you deserve more than a new $500 a month car payment? To be debt free. Yes. To have a control. Have a control. Have control of your debt. Sorry, I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know. Yeah. You're right. No, no, you're actually, you know, you're telling the people out there who are listening. What what frustrates me uh, always is um, the the people who think they have so much, but yet they have so little. Because we also talk about in our classes, uh, what's your net worth? And, you know, we when we look at net worth, what do you owe? What do you own minus what you owe? And let's see where you really stand. And when I look at a lot of people's life lifestyle uh, and and do, does it match their net worth? And are they really, do they really have what they owe? And then a lot of my, what I'm, what I'm loving now about what I do with the students, I'm showing them how to prepare to live that lifestyle. I literally have students coming to me who are not even in my class, right. but they hear about it. It's like, Hey, I want to uh, do a, do you know about uh, Roth IRAs? Do you know about, I want to open up my checking account. Do you know how to start a business? Which we, we teach another class there, entrepreneurship and so we're teaching young people how to start their own business. We're teaching people how to handle their personal finance. And then, of course, I, they, I had to agree to teach another class. So they said I can teach, have to teach one class. And then there are two other classes I can teach. And I, I can teach whatever I want to. Number one was personal finance. And number two was entrepreneurship. And so the other class I was teaching is it's a, a seminar class, which helps them do stuff. But I kind of intertwine my other topics in there. But the whole thing is that you have a lot of people who said, oh, yes, this, this is the life. If I have a fancy car, if I have a big home, if I, if I have all this uh, debt and so forth, I'm doing well, even though they have all this debt, majority of millennials today Day, millennials today are in debt and they leave college with so much debt, which is not right. I even teach the students at the school. I'm going to teach you all not to even get a student loan. I want to teach you all how to get scholarships, how to get grants, how to do work studies, whatever you need to do. Because when you leave high school and you hit the real world and you're not prepared for it, right. in my class, you have no one to blame but yourself. But in the state of Tennessee, when they give you that document or that diploma saying you have mastered or you have earned all the credits worthy, you really didn't earn it because you got a lot of young people out there that still do doesn't know what to do when it comes to real life. Um, they may they may know how to annotate a, a paragraph or, or or story. They may know how to uh, do, know the quadratic formula. They may know about base pairs, and they they know how to read how to properly read a story and, and get out the main plot and so forth. But do they know real life? Do they know? Now, these are great skills to know on the basic, but I, I asked my students to, hey, ask your teacher. And I may not have a lot of friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said, ask your teacher, how does this apply to help me in real life? Right. 
And that's why, even though there's a great, the STEM program, I see how it can apply to people who are going into those positions in real life, the engineering positions and the programmers and the doctors and the lawyers and all those positions which are critical to have no STEM. However, there are other things that we need to teach our young people and focus on to make just as important as STEM, and I believe financial education is the main thing. I, I work with a lot of organizations. I want to give a shout out to uh, some people who might know the organization of Jumpstart of Tennessee. And uh, one of our colleagues there is Jackie Morgan, uh, who is the, the outreach coordinator, uh, education outreach coordinator coordinator there. And um, also uh, Maria Edlin, who's also, she's also a professor at Middle Tennessee State University uh, in the economics department. But what I'm, I work with these people and we we're trying to bring the knowledge and the influence of financial education in the state of Tennessee. And, and less than half the states in the United States of America are requiring students to take personal finance uh, as a requirement to graduate. Less than half. I think Florida just jumped on board, uh, did some legislation last year to make it start teaching it on a regular, I don't know if it's a requirement yet. I think less required to graduate, but almost half the states are saying, let's go ahead and start teaching it. It's, this needs to be part of the math and the English and the history and the science curriculum. This needs to be on the list of the top type of education, a part of education for our young adults coming in high school. But the reason why they don't do it is because if we can teach them to be broke and poor, they'll rely on the system and they won't become financially independent. So I'm teaching them, you can still be financially independent. Even if you make $40,000 a year, you can still retire a millionaire. It'll take you a minute. Uh, if you decide not to build something on the side, if you just want to stick with that nine to five, that's perfectly fine. But we want to teach them to become financially independent so they won't be broke, busted and disgusted when they get out of school. So true. Preach it, brother. That's what I want to, you know, and, and your point about the fact that they don't want to teach us this because they want to keep us dependent on the system. You know, it, it's like these kids that spend seven bucks a day on a Starbucks coffee, right? Yes. Multiple, do the math, do the math. Even if you just do five cups a day, five cups a week, that's 25 bucks. Or let's say they're $5 a cup, right? So that's 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. And you do that four times, four weeks a month, mm -hmm. right? That's a hundred bucks a month. That's $1,200 a year. Mm -hmm. If we invested that 1200, even if it was a crappy investment. Oh, it just, it just drives me insane that how much money people waste, you know, and they, they go, Oh my God, they're worried about housing loans right now. The people I'm talking to, right. They're worried about housing loans and oh, the interest rates so high. And I ask them this question. I say, how much did you pay for your last house? Mm -hmm. they give me the purchase price. They give me the purchase price. I said, that's not how much you paid for your last house. How long did you live in it? Average is about seven years is my understanding. I said, okay, so you paid interest. Most of your seven years was mostly interest. That's all you paid. You know, if you pay a, a house to term, if you pay a 30-year house loan, you're paying 115% interest, 115% more than what the house cost. Right. And they're like, no way. I'm like, dude, do you do diligence? Don't worry about your interest rate today. Worry about your interest rate 
30 years from now or what you've paid 30 years from now, it doesn't matter whether it's four, six, eight, 10%. It matters how long you're going to get that and why, why? And I know you're a Kiyosaki fan. We talked about this last time, right? Robert? Yes. Kiyosaki. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, is it an asset or a liability? If taking money out of your pocket, that's a liability. If putting an asset, uh, putting money in your pocket, that's an asset. If you're buying a $7 coffee and you're not selling it for 10 bucks, you're doing it the wrong way around. Exactly. So, yeah, anytime, anytime you need somebody to come in and talk about real world entrepreneur at the level that most of us are going to attain, we're not all going to be Bezos and Tesla and, and uh, Michael Dell and, and Steve Jobs. We're not. Most of us are going to run a small business in middle America and we're going to be very comfortable. Uh, we're going to have struggles, but we're not going to be billionaires. But it's it's becoming to the point where most of us can be millionaires. If And so Tony Bradshaw, who, I, who I've had on the show and I know you've talked to, he has the Millionaire Choice podcast. Uh, we were talking last Friday night at his event and he was saying, what would it take to make every kid born in Nashville a millionaire within the next 40 years. If we could take every kid born in Nashville a millionaire, he said all it would take is 10,000 per kid invested. 10,000 per kid. So that's about 40 million a year for the kids that are born in the Nashville area, right? At 10,000 a kid invested. Why can't we change our street? Why can't we change our neighborhood? Why can't we change our city? We can. We just have to work together. That's it. That's all, that's all it is. And, and when you brought that up, that example you gave about the Starbucks cup, that's one of the main examples I use in the beginning of my class. Um, like, look how much money you are spending. Then I, then I go, now you go to the snack machine, you're spending a dollar there. Then you go to buy some ba little bag of chips every day and you got and i said now let's add all this up and then we add all this up and over the course of a year it, you're spending let's say if you do this on a regular basis that's I, it was over three thousand dollars which they had spent on snacks starbucks i call it five bucks but you know starbucks and you know, uh, all those then with, with that i said what can you do with that amount and, and then, then they go they broaden their minds mindset with yeah i could do more than just spend it I can save it and and reinvest it in something. Then I then I go to the next level. We in my my entrepreneur class, we start talking about uh, stock market and just how to read it because there are certain th investments that I look at and but I still teach them everything so they'll have a wide mind. No. I, had a, I had a student come to me uh, just before our fall break and he said, "Oh yeah, Mister Morrow, yeah, look at my new kicks, my you know shoes, my new tennis shoes, my new kicks and everything, my Nikes and everything. Look at them, they're so good. And I look, look how much they cost online, but look how much I paid for them and everything." I said, "Great." I said, "How much you pay for them?" And he told me, "Yeah, it was about three hundred eighty dollars, but it was really like four hundred, um, four twenty five. You know, like online, I saved some money." I said, "Great." Now let me ask you a question. We just did. Uh, a stock market research project. How much was the Nike stock uh, to invest in it per to buy one stock? And he looked it up again. He said, "Yeah, it was about how much was it? Uh, yeah, it was about a hundred eighty. No, no, it was about a hundred dollars. Yeah, around that time." And I said, "Great. Now you could take that same four hundred dollars instead of buying Nike, Nike, and giving them your money and never seeing it again. Why don't you buy four shares of Nike and start having ownership and making money off Nike?" He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess I could have done that. You know, so while you're bragging about spending money, 
on a perishable item, right. you can brag about being an owner of the of that company that makes the item. So my my goal is to change the mindset of people when it comes to money. Something that that we weren't taught. My parents, all of our parents didn't know because they were doing what they knew what to do. Right. Go to work, pay bills, uh, go to work, get paid, pay bills, go to work, get paid, you know, save a little money if you can, take a little family trip or here and there if you can. But there was no uh, beyond right. beyond that, that particular thing. When you go from home to work, work to home, 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 um, what do you what do you create? You create a rut. Yes, right? yes. It's a rut. You get in a rut. And what is a rut? A rut is just a grave with the ends knocked out or they're longer. So you don't know you're in the grave. And, you know, unless we take some of that financial knowledge and learn that financial knowledge and then apply it to where it doesn't take us doing all the work. You know, we most of us are in this mode where we trade our time, effort, energy and health for somebody else's paycheck. But what is the difference between us and them? Now, Alice and I, she's educated. I'm a high school dropout. OK. Mm -hmm. Let me rephrase that. She's formally educated. I'm educated on the streets. Mm -hmm in business on the streets. So we're both educated. We're both going to pay for our education, but some of us are going to have a piece of paper that says we've got a degree and that we use that degree. And quite honestly, without that degree and the money she earned as a pharmacist, I wouldn't have been able to buy some of the businesses we've been able to buy. So it works well together, but I had successful businesses before we ever met mm -hmm. that I started with nothing. And I paid for my education, right? So we're still going to pay for our education. But you know how I made money in my business? Is by hiring people to do the things so I didn't have to do them. Yes. You have to understand that when somebody hires you to do a job, unless it's a consumer hiring you to mow their lawn or paint their gutters or re-roof, but if it's a business owner hiring you to work for their business, they have to make a profit on the work you do, or they can't stay in business. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if I hire you, Michael, to go teach, and I'm paying you a hundred bucks an hour, then I should be renting you out at 200 bucks an hour so that I can generate profit from you. And people forget this when they go to a job, they go, oh, I'm getting this great paycheck. Yeah. Yes, but that business owner now, we're not talking about the government. That, that's just a whole different kettle of fish. But if that business owner, whether it be Amazon, McDonald's, or Joe Smith that owns the little retail shop down the corner, that business owner has to make a profit to stay in business. Yes. Just like you were teaching that young gentleman about investing in Nike stock, that's how he can duplicate how he can create residual income, how he can get something from not his effort, but from somebody else's effort. And that's what we need to teach in America. Anytime you need entrepreneurial speakers to come in, I love to come in and talk on that entrepreneurial aspect. My favorite one is taking a sheet of paper. Did I do this last time? Did we talk about this last time? Which what? Uh, no, we did not. I like taking this. So I'll stand up in front of a class and I'll say, how can I make money with this sheet of paper? And, you know, I like middle schools, right? Because they're, they, they're not so worried about 
like, oh, I'll say the wrong thing, or they're not more worried about the people around them. Some of them are, but middle schoolers will still pipe up. High school kids are more worried about what their friends are going to think if they talk about. Mm-hmm. So I say, how can you make money with this piece of paper? And so for those of you listening, I'm holding up just a single sheet of paper I ripped out of a big cheap notepad. Well, you could write a story and you could sell it. You could draw a picture and you could sell it. My favorite one to do, is there anybody in class that knows how to make paper airplanes? Are you any good? So I give it to them. They make a paper airplane. I say, oh, look at that. It flies right across the room. Who'll give, uh, i tell you what, here you go. And I give him 10 cents. I don't tell anybody else. Give him a dime. I say, who'll buy this paper airplane off me for 25 cents? Oh, yeah, I will. Okay, great. Thanks. How much did I pay you for it? 10 cents. How much did you pay me for it? 25 cents. Guess what? Other than the cost of materials, a penny, I've now netted what? Oh, no. 15 cents. Right. I said, okay, who's the best artist in the room? Somebody points to Sally over there. Sally, you're the best artist. So I'm going to go up to Sally and I'm going to say, hey, Sally, uh, can you draw flames on the side of my airplanes? Yeah, I can draw flames on the side of my airplanes. How much for? Well, I want a quarter. Okay, great. The kid that just bought the airplane. Hey, would you like flames on the side of your airplane for a buck? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Cool. Give it to Sally. Sally will draw them for you. Sally says, but I'm only getting 25 cents. That's what we negotiated. Mm -hmm. She wanted 25 cents to draw flames on the side of the airplane. I went and sold it at three times what it's costing me. I'm selling it for a dollar. Yes. Kids are like, you can't do that. I said, yes, because you don't know who my vendors and my suppliers are. Right. I, I, You do that exactly. When you go into the store and you buy a bottle of water at a convenience store or at a festival, you're paying two bucks for a bottle of water. But you and I both know we can go to Publix and Kroger and buy the whole dang case for 15 cents a bottle. Exactly. Kids, why are you paying $2 for a bottle of water that only costs 15 cents? Well, because it's convenient. It's here. It's now. I want it. I'm paying for that convenience. You can start a business with nothing. Yes. You just have to have the idea and then know how to put it into action, know how to price it. And that's why you have to get around entrepreneurs. So what I did, I ended up taking this piece of paper and then I had a video shop, video rental shop. And I used this and I sold ads on it and I slid it into the video cover and we had an ad here. We had uh, four on the bottom and we had eight on the back and I made $4,200 out of a sheet of paper in two weeks profit in 1986. I don't know what that is in today's money, but I was a, um, I was a 18 year old kid, you know? So Um, there's ways of making money. Yes. That they, you haven't even, you know, the good old fashioned mow the lawn, pick up the dog poop, uh, wash the windows. I mean, there's that, you know, painting houses. I mean, how many college kids start a house painting business, get a degree, go out and work in their degree for a couple of years and then realize, you know, I made more money painting houses with no degree. Mm-hmm. That's it. I have entrepreneurs literally in my classroom. I have a young lady. She sells her snacks. She sells her to the kids coming in. She gets them at a lower price. She sells them at a higher price. I said, I love it. I'm not going to stop you because this is what I teach. This is what I want you to do. If somebody comes to you during uh, independent study time and not doing instruction, I have no problem at all. I have another one who has their own 
their own uh, food of their particular ethnic group. They have their own food and restaurant. They have culinary. They, they're working on that as well. They built their own website. It's, it's a great opportunity with these young adults. Excuse me. And what they do also is I, I, I challenge them to go back to their homes and ask their parents certain things pertaining to what is their financial goal? What are their financial goals? What, what are, what is our family doing? Do we have an emergency fund? Do we have something in case an accident happens? Uh, do we have a retirement fund started? And out of the students that I asked to do it, statistically, this really, I say out of about 10% come back and say, yeah, I was brave enough to ask my parents. And of that 10%, usually I have around 20, 20 kids in the class on average, and they come in. So of, the, of those two that come back, uh, and one of them said, well, my mom and dad told me what it was and they're comfortable. They were cool. And I was happy with it. Then the other student says, my mom said, shut up. That's none of your business. <laughs> so, we can't talk about money. Exactly. How and do that, we learn about money if we're not willing to talk about money? Exactly. Right. And yeah. most of us don't have a clue. Yeah. And what my, my heart is, is to get these young people really into the thought process of you're about to hit the real world. You're going to need a credit score. But when you get your own apartment, you can and because I deal with clients who's trying to build their credit score just to qualify to stay in a, a low rent apartment. And then, then I have other ones that are trying to get a home and get out of an apartment and they're trying to get their score up to uh, high enough to qualify for it. But they were never taught what we teach them. And so people the pay me for my knowledge. Like you said, the school hired me. I wanted to make sure I said, well, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I already have the, the, the knowledge and the equip the equipment and the curriculum to teach it. All I need to do is now just go there and they're paying me for my knowledge. And they and the person, the principal who called me already knew my background, already knew my my work and so forth. So I just coming in. I was like, great, I'm just getting paid telling these kids what I tell adults but on a level which they understand. And so what what, what I want to do is I'm taking I'm taking it and from from age eight to 80, I want to empower people to take their financial education to the next level. That's I I love I, I started off with using Dave Ramsey stuff in the classroom. Actually he used my first classes he, he you'll find my students on his first dvd in the classroom really? wow. for personal finance so those are my students on there it's the orange d for those who still have it out there from like 10 10 12 years ago it's the orange dvd personal finance in high school those are my students that they interview uh, and then i took i went from that and I, as i grew the curriculum and worked with other groups and so forth i went from that i said okay my students are going to want to know about credit they're asking me about credit they want to know about credit cards and so forth and home loans and and dave ramsey didn't teach about credit he was right. against it he's against debt and so forth so i had to take my knowledge to the next level and started working with people who knew how to do that so over the years as I learned more, and then I couldn't, I heard about Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I got more into learning more about credit and how to properly use it, what it's for, and how to really build with it. And then when we did that, we were able to take people's lives to the next level. I worked with nonprofit organizations who were helping people build their credit to get homes and qualify with the bank. So from that point, it, it, it was like a maturity level and a graduation of financial education to where we went from the basics until the next level to the next level until we put 
able to put things together and, and develop this curriculum. And it's a very basic curriculum. People can go online to our self-paced course or they can connect with us to our one-to-one uh, -one coaching. Uh, we even now, um, I have developed or and I, I was blessed enough to finish my, my first manuscript of our first children's book. And because we already had written one book for the adults, but, and now we just finished a manuscript for a children's book, very simple read, but it's teaching them financial education and entrepreneurship. Uh, we look forward to that coming out soon. And it, it's, uh, it's using, the name of the book is uh, my, my grand, my grandpa gave me a goat. And the purpose of it is how this young person, the goat, how it changed their lives and how you use the mind of, of resources and entrepreneurship and uh, trading, like, you know, trade bank is in, kind of involved in there too. I should have said something about that, <laughs> but, but then we have another book coming out after that. I'm working on the manuscript on that. So my, my, the series that we're working on is to teach young people how to use resources like you just did with a piece of paper to build a, a comfortable lifestyle to use resources to make more money to um, have a comfortable life and to also use money to build that and not just spend it all but learn how to use it to even get what you want later on because I hear stories all the time about kids who want this expensive even my kids uh what we we want they say oh dad they got this dance coming up at school or this they have this ball whatever it is and I need a dress. <laughs> and uh, oh, and I need and I need this, and the, and the tickets cost this much. I said, "Great, hey, you're 14 now, you're 15 now, and so forth." I think it's time you learn the value of a dollar. So I literally on my YouTube channel, I have my kids working, and they're detailing our car <laughs> just to get get the money from me to pay for what they want because I'm teaching them the value of money and the value of financial education. So that's my next level now is to really concentrate on the young adults and the children to empower them with financial education, still focusing on the adults, still working with them on their credit. Our program is powerful and it's simple, but my goal is now work on those young people, get, get in. And there are a lot of people out there who already have done it. I've connected with a lot of authors and um, I'm, I'm trying to get an illustrator now for my manuscript. But the main thing is we have to teach our young people, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. And that's what we're doing now with our young adults here in the area. That, that's that's exciting. You know, Alice and I locked into a situation where when we when our kids wanted to go to Australia and visit all the relatives, right, we had to get a credit card in their name. It was the easiest way for them to be able to have funds available. The, the cool side benefit was that we never took their name off the credit card, mm -hmm. right? And so these kids get out of school and they apply for their own credit cards and they're like, Dad, did you know I had a score of like 760? I'm like, yeah, well, that happened because we put you as an authorized user on the card when you were 12. Yes. Right. And we have good credit now. We, we've we've learned, we've become fiscally knowledgeable on how to manage our credit. And uh, that's why your score is good. Don't screw it up. Yes. And but all of our three kids. So I would tell somebody that if you are in a healthy credit situation, if you're in a healthy financial situation, you can put your young kids on your credit cards as authorized users. Don't give them the card. That would be a big mistake. 
do mm-hmm. not give them the card. But yes. you can put them on as authorized users, and as long as you maintain your credit score, that will lift there so that when they go through high school and college and stuff. Now, of course, if they get if they get hit on at college with all those guys that set up their tables and try and sell them credit cards, it could go down very fast. Oh, you mean I don't have to pay for this for like ever? You know, no, no. You'll pay for it. <laughs> One way or the other. But that was that. Uh, luckily happened to us, right? And, and then you got other situations that come up understanding what's the better value for the money. Does it make sense to pay off this loan? Like I have a friend, he's he's had this car, he bought it new, he's down to the last year of payments. And he's like, oh dude, I've got the I've got the money. Why don't I just pay it off? I said, no, you've already paid all the interest. You've already paid all the interest. Do not pay off the last year of the car loan. All it is is principal. Yes. Yeah, mostly, you know, it, 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 that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. He's like, how do you know this stuff? I said, I read. I listen to videos. I talk to people. I learn these things. Like right now, we've got this situation. I've had a friend come to me. He wants me to buy into his barbecue restaurant. And it's a 40% equity share, which is great. I mean, that's that's fine. And and I like barbecue. So, you know. Um, but we're trying to figure out how to do the how to do the amount that he needs. Let's just say it's a thousand dollars, just because I don't want to go into the actual amount, but let's say it's a thousand dollars. I've got a choice. I can borrow a thousand dollars from our um housing line of credit, a HELOC, right? <laughs> I can borrow that thousand dollars at six percent. Or we can take out the $1,000 out of the 401k. Mm -hmm. Now, right now, it's -hmm. not such a hard choice because the market is sucking wind as we cut this video, Mm -hmm. as we record this. But it it was a hard choice a year ago or nine months ago, right? You know, because the money we were making in the market was way better than the interest rate I would pay. But a lot of people don't look at this. They just look at it. I had a friend that wanted to buy a house and he was going to put a hundred thousand dollars down on the house. And I said, why put a hundred? You only need to put 20,000 down. And then why not apply the $80,000 straight to the mortgage? And that will, you know, if, if every line of amortization shows you how much interest you're paying, you get rid of line one to line 125 all the interest that was payable. And so I showed him both models, the model where he pays $100,000 down, so he pays less up front, and the model where he pays off the mortgage once it's done. And I showed him the difference about what he saved. He's like, why don't they teach us this? Thank you. Thank you. That's one of my, I showed an amortization scale for a car loan and a house. And just to show it to my young people and there, I show them, this is what you are paying when you first get that car. You're paying the interest. You're putting the, the bank is making sure they're getting all their money first. Because when I was their age, I was asking the question when I got my first vehicle, I was like, you all giving me, you giving me, you let me have this vehicle for this amount of money. And all I got to pay is this every month. And how are you all making money? And then the story was told to me after you sign on the dotted line, that your payments, majority of your payment is going toward the bank's pocket. I even did this example in one of our, uh, my teacher's uh, professional development 
class, I call it uh, I call it the debt sentencing and how long you have sentenced yourself to this life of debt on a credit card that you pay the minimum payment, which you pay the minimum payment. And they were their minds were blown about how much they paid back when they say you reach the max of a five thousand five thousand dollar credit card at a what was it? A this is a real life situation. I think it was a twenty four point nine nine percent interest rate on that type of card minimum payment of 150 i told him if you just pay the minimum payment and never use the card again after so many years that you'll you'll be in this amount of debt for this many years you'll be paying this you'll be paying a five thousand back but of that payment this amount is going toward the bank's pocket and that little bitty amount is going toward the principal balance and then on top of that you would have paid back the five thousand dollars plus the interest. So you wouldn't have paid back the $5,000. You would have paid back, I say it was like $10,000 or $12,000 total. You would have paid the bank back for that $5,000 you did for that nice vacation. I hope you enjoyed your trip to Hawaii. <laughs> so that's what it was. And their mind is blown by that. So when people see the behind the scenes, that's where they they, they come alive. And I they really- when I was working Sears, 90 to 94, I had an old lady come in and she showed me her statement and she said, is this right? She said, my husband passed away last year and I'm going through all the finances and trying to get caught up on it. We bought this projection screen TV in 1984. It is now 1992. Mm. The TV was like $1,900. And they still owed $1,500. Mm. She goes, is that right? I said, well, what were you paying on it? She said, well, the minimum payment, the $15 a month. Wow. Wow. And I can't remember the numbers directly, but it's like they'd paid for that TV four times over, right? Or something yeah. like that. It's ridiculous. She goes, can I just write a check and pay off the balance right now? Or do I have to keep paying this minimum payment? I said, no, if you can afford it, you want to write that check right now. We can take the payment right at the register because this is, you know, and, and Sears credit cards at the time were like they were 18%, 20%, something like that. Um, it was ridiculous. She was, she was further behind almost, it looked like, you know. And so it just blows my mind that people don't educate themselves, especially now with the internet. The greatest suppository of knowledge is just a fingertip away. Now we have to discern, we have to get multiple sources. Not everybody else's, not everybody's telling the truth, like back it up, get a second, a third, a fourth opinion, you know, but there is enough education out there that is right education that people can get smart, just like your programs that they can get online. Right. And so, but it just blows my mind on how much money people are throwing away. It's just, Yes. And what and I should have said this earlier, I was able to work for a few months and behind the scenes of a well-known uh, title company uh, and title loan company. So I had the opportunity to do that. And um, I was I was there primarily to educate the customers. So I want to do a education program to help them get out of the loans and the company didn't mind. So the company hired me on. And during the time, as I got more into the company, I was able to see what these people were being charged and i mean they they by rights by the uh, the 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 lending act fair the fair lending act we have to show them 
what the interest is. These people don't care. They just want the money. Can I but, make the, can I, yeah, can I afford the payment is all they worried about paying it right. back. Yeah. And that's it. And most of these people, they're giving up their title to their car just to get this amount that they weren't prepared for. Uh, and they're not prepared to pay it back. And some of these people, they get their title loan, so they're paying the minimum payment. It's interest. And then some of these people are late. And then some people are, uh, a few of them don't pay back. So we take their car and it was it was a horrible situation. So I was able to see behind the scenes what people go to. So I'll, then someone had called me, say, hey, are you able to teach a class on predatory lending? And so my next thing is now I'm going to teach a class, if anybody else want to do this, about how predatory predatory lending works and how they're, uh, how they keep, some want their clients out, but then there are other ones that want to keep the client as long as possible. Uh, you're looking at someone many moons ago. I was trapped in that cycle and I, I, I was robbing Peter to pay Paul and I should have been not paying either one of them. But the point was I had to get out of that cycle because once you're in that cycle, if you if you didn't have the money in the first place for the emergency and you're going to these these payday loan and title loans and flex loan places, you're not going to have the money to pay it back plus the interest or the fee that they charge two weeks later on your next paycheck. And so you go ahead and you, hey, I'll just pay the fee to renew it. I'll, two weeks later, I'll pay the fee to renew it. And I did the calculations on it. I showed people, um, great. Now you not only have to, you've paid three, four times over within six months what you borrow, and you still got to pay back what you borrowed. So and then I, I was messing with people in the session I was speaking with. I said, great. But hey, you said, don't worry about it. I'll pay this loan off when I get my what? And they always say my tax refund. And I say, listen, guys, we have to get out of this mindset. We have to break this cycle. And so that's my goal is to uh, end these. Was it? I think January I'll be teaching. I was supposed to be teaching one this month in Franklin. Uh, but there's a community that the school had called me and said, we want you to teach this to our parents in the community about these predatory lenders. Right. So I'll be doing that in January as well. So anybody else who needs me to come out and empower them with this knowledge and what goes on behind the scene. I used to work for Ford Motor Credit. And so I know what uh, find the financial end of it and the collections end of it and the, the lending part of it. We we the, the trick behind it is you have to avoid paying the minimum payments you have to number one with these predatory lendings you have to not go there number one right. number two if you're going to get a loan or a car loan home loan you have to know what what do i need to do to pay it off as quickly as possible uh to save money on interest even if you're going to pay cash on something i'm going to pay this i know we got to go but i want to say this very quickly even if you want to pay 100 cash on it i'm going to advise you not to do that i'm going to advise you first do financing through the uh, their financial office or bring a an offer from your credit union. Say, hey, my credit union is going to offer me this amount. Can you beat it? And, you know, and then let them finance you because you can get a lower rate. They'll give you a lower rate and then take the cash. And then when the when it comes time, when they give you that first payment, pay off the loan in full if you want to pay cash 100 percent. There are so many techniques and tactics you can use that we've learned through the years to really help people save money, get their finances in order and take that credit to the next level. Yeah. And thank you, Michael. And we could end there. We could end there, but I don't want to end there because that that is so true. 
people are not becoming financially educated. They think it's too hard or something on how to become financially educated. And it's not. When we look at the ways that we're going to spend our money or borrow our money, and just like I said, do I take it out of my 401k? Do I take it out of my HELOC? Do I take it off a 0% credit card? You know, there's a, a million options out there. I was offered to buy into a, a payday loan type operation. And when I looked at how it worked, you know, it just didn't sit right with my soul. I couldn't do it, right? I couldn't do it. I, uh, I, I would rather find ways of helping people differently. Uh, and so I had to walk away from that deal. But, you know, it's like running a liquor store. It might be fine for some people. It's not for me. Mm -hmm. um, but understanding that if you can borrow money over here at 3% and you can invest it over here at 6%, should mm -hmm. I do that or not? And you, I, you should hear the answers you get just from that simple question. They don't know. They don't know if I can borrow it at three and get a, I'm guaranteeing the return of six. Yeah. I don't know whether they should do it or not. That sounds like a deal to me. <laughs> but but they don't they're afraid to even make a statement that may be wrong. Mm. Right. So if you're not sure whether borrowing at three and getting a six percent return makes sense, mm -hmm. you need to check that. And I'm not talking about putting it in crypto the next greatest thing ever. Yeah, Bitcoin's gone from 60 down to, I think it's down to 20 right now. You know, I, I refuse to, you know, I've got a barter business, right? You alluded to that earlier, trade bank. Trade banks, one US dollar is one barter dollar, right? And so I'm teaching people how barter should be part of any business because people don't even know how to barter anymore. They don't mm -hmm. understand why would I barter when I can take, I don't know, I threw that bottle away. But when I can take that bottle of water that cost me 15 cents and I can barter for $2 worth of services, I've got people that fold their arms and say, I'd rather just pay $2 for it. Well, you're a friggin' idiot, dude. Like, why would I pay $2 for a service I can buy for 15 cents plus the commission to trade bank? Oh, see, it's all about your commission. Dude, on $2, you owe me 25 cents. So now you got 15 cents into the bottle. You got 25 cents on $2 that you owe me. So uh, what is that? 35, uh, 40, 40 cents. Mm -hmm. Would you rather pay 100 cents or 40 cents? Yes. Figure that out. And yes. so people have forgotten how barter can be utilized. There's all these different financial opportunities out there. Like buying a house. If you're going to go to college, you buy a house. And you rent out the other three rooms and have them pay your mortgage. Yeah. It's not rocket science, people. Get some research. Get with Michael. Talk to Michael. Michael will have his uh, contact information in the show notes. We didn't get to any hidden gems. There's plenty of cool things to do all over Nashville, Murfreesboro, the whole thing. Um, if you need hidden gems, reach out to Michael. He'll have him take you out to dinner and educate you. Um, Michael, hey, thanks so much for being on the show. As always. We knocked it out of the park, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you so much. And don't worry about the hidden gems because you're a diamond in the rough. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm under a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate This is the Nashville 2 Podcast with your host, Edward Fox.